Welcome to Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Drs. Jim and Janine Fox of Doctors Nutrition. We continue our journey to better health through proper nutrition, supplementation, and knowledge. And now, here are Drs. Fox and Live Healthy, Be Healthy. Thank you for joining us here on Live Healthy, Be Healthy. Hi, I'm Dr. Jim. And I'm Dr. Janine. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that's actually very, uh, should be very near and dear to all of us, and that's the health of our kids, teens, and young adults. Yeah, we're finding, well, we decided to do this because we are doing a lot more lab work on teenagers and children. Um, I say teenagers because a lot of them are in the teen years. Well, but we 13 are even, and above. Right, <laughs> but we are seeing a lot of them, a lot of parents bringing their kids in that are even eight and 10 years old. Right. And because they're having problems and they're tired all the time and they're fatigued and they, you know, different problems that they're seeing in their kids and they bring them in for lab work. Yeah. Now, something that that we see, you know, when they bring them in with these complaints, uh, typically they've been to their pediatricians and the pediatricians checked them out and said, oh, they're they're okay. No big deal. Because Mm -hmm. they didn't do any lab work. Right. And And a lot of times what you're finding, unless a pediatrician thinks that they actually have a disease mm -hmm. of some sort, they're not doing lab work. There's very little lab work done on our kids today. And unfortunately, we're seeing adult problems in all of the kids. Yeah, I think that's probably the one thing that kind of um, coached us into making this particular episode. Right, we decided people need to know that they need to have their kids checked because a lot of people say... We have them come in all the time. They bring in a teenager. And one of the big things we're seeing, and I mean, we're going to talk about other things we're seeing as well, but one of the big things we're seeing is insulin resistance in pre-diabetes. That's true. In very young children and almost all the teenagers. You know, almost virtually, almost. We're seeing like 80, 90% of the teenagers. I was going to say 90, maybe even 95% of the teenagers. And it's scary. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, typically, you know, a few years back, uh, the only time that you saw the quote-unquote metabolic syndrome or, like you just said, you know, the starting of that uh, insulin, insulin resistance. resistance and so on, typically that was more of an uh, older adult, older. Um, you know, 50s, 60s, you know, time like that, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s and up. And But now... And now what we're seeing is we're seeing the kids have it when their parents hadn't even had it yet. Right. And so, of course, the parents will say, well, it's not even in the family. Well, it is now. It is and now, And if right. you look at probably why, I mean, we're just, you know, we're not going on what the research says. We're going on what we see. Now, this is... This is, this is know, our observation. This is our clinical observation. Right, and we you know. do a lot of lab work. Right. And we do a lot more lab work than the pediatricians out there. Ever dare to, right. And so the more and more people are bringing their kids and teenagers in... Mm-hmm. We're shocked when we get it back because their lab work looks worse than their parents. Yeah, and that's something, like I say, we hear all the time, you know, because we, you know, of course, first thing, one of the things we're going to ask is about family history. Anybody in your family type 2 diabetes or, you know, anything like that. And typically speaking, they're going to say, well, no. Um, I mean, some of them say, well, you know, my my mom, which is the grandparents. Right. Became diabetic at 60. Or 70. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like they became diabetic older later in life. Right. But yet, you know, we're not, we don't have a lot of it in our family. And so you start looking. And But if you think about it, I think the reason is if you look at the way people eat. Oh, yeah. Even me, I'm 49. Mm-hmm. When I grew up and we did not eat fast food. 
right. it was out there when I was young, but it wasn't something you did every day. It was something that you did for a treat or occasionally. Even as a teenager, our parents didn't give us money just to go eat fast food. Right. And so we, you know, we did we weren't able to do that. You know, my mom did cook, um, mm-hmm. so we did eat home cooked meals. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference is these kids, if you look, the more years somebody has done it, the, the quicker they get to be pre-diabetic. Yeah. You know, they did a, a study recently and they fed, and it's kind of interesting, I thought, and this kind of gives you a perspective. They said they, they fed rats some fructose, high fructose meals, and for eight weeks. Now, that's equivalent to about a six-year span in human life. Yeah. Okay. Well, the average human... Now, especially these young adults and kids and so on have been eating, you know, McNuggets and things like that all their lives. Uh, various fast foods, not just one, but all of the, the fast food uh, in, industry. You know, feeding them high fructose drinks, uh, feeding, feeding them, you know, things like juices and things that are high fructose. Uh, and people don't realize that fruit is high in fructose. And, and so then, you know, we feed them all this stuff. You know, we feed them the high fructose meals. We feed them the packaged processed foods at home because mom doesn't want to, you know, cook anymore because it's just too inconvenient. So we'll just buy something in a package, throw it in a pan or, you know, in a microwave, heat it up a little bit. And bingo, now we're, you know, we're seeing the uh, uh, the increase in, in these pre-diabetic syndromes. Right. And when you see the kid, and it didn't just overweight kids no, either. No, no, no. We have people bring their kids in that are actually normal size. Mm-hmm. Not overweight at all, right? And they're still showing prediabetes, yep. and that's kind of scary when you start and look at how many of them are showing that. Mm-hmm. And the what we need to point out today is the diet needs to change. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you know, and of course we're going to lead into some other stuff. You know, where we talk to your grandparents too, uh, kind of pointing out some things that you may not be doing quite quite good for the grandkids. Uh, but the parents need to think about what are we feeding, you know, little Johnny and Sally. Because little Johnny and Sally are going to grow up, and if we're not careful, you know, and it, as adults, it's our responsibility to try to take care of them and guide them and teach them what to eat, what not to eat, what to do, what not to do, so to speak, through life. If we don't teach them how to eat and what to eat early on, what are their chances later on? Right. You develop habits early in life. Exactly. And what I've seen with people is they tend to say, oh, well, they don't like that. Well, you know what? When I was a kid, my mom didn't care if I liked it. <laughs> no, they never asked and me And I know I your liked. mom really didn't care if you <laughs> no, liked it. <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that, that was something you just, you know, you didn't bother asking. When because, he you know, grew up, you yeah. ate what you had. Well, well, typically, I mean, yeah. He's I mean, actually quite a bit older than, he's 69. Yeah. So in his age group, you ate what you had or you didn't eat. Yeah, I mean, typically speaking, you know, it, it was one of those things that um, whatever was fixed and prepared, you had to eat. I mean, there, there weren't any choices, so okay, you know, because... It, right, you, know, you didn't have the junk food. No, I mean... Now, when, when, when I, I grew up, yeah. there was probably starting to be the junk food, but my mom didn't buy it. For yeah. one, she was a little too tight, but right. another, it, I'm glad she didn't. But, exactly. I mean, it, at the time, I don't think it was really looking as much into health... But it was much, you know, it cost more at the time to get that packaged processed food. Well, when you think about it, and, and I want to touch on this right now, you brought up the cost thing. Yeah. Right. It costs more to, to eat the junk. To, to eat the junk than it does to eat the good stuff. Yeah, I hear you every know? day. We hear every oh. day people say, "Oh, well, we can't afford to eat healthy," and I always stop them and say, <laughs> "Wait a minute, don't tell me that because I cook. Yeah, I cook a lot. I cook all of our meals. We don't eat out." So I do know that it is not 
more expensive to cook. Yeah. You know, it, it, the thing about it is, and a lot of times Janine and I go to the grocery store, and it's really kind of entertaining, if nothing else. When we look at our shopping basket. Totally and, different. Oh, and look at the people behind us and in front of us. And, and it's like, oh, my goodness, what are they doing? Because, you know, we have absolutely zero prepackaged processed food. We right. don't do it. Okay? And I always tell people, I mean, I do. We eat mostly organic as much as we can in the area that we're in. As much as we can, right. Now, we eat all organic meat. All. Right. Because I do order it. I order all my meat. It comes in, you know, frozen. But mm-hmm. it's really good when it thaws. You can't even tell it's ever been frozen. But it comes in, and I put it in the freezer. So we 100% of the time have organic meat. Right. And, now, and of we course, vegetables. Yeah. Right. Vegetables, you have to kind of get what's fresh. We grow what we can. Right. But, of course, you can't grow everything all the time. True. And some things just don't make it. Like last year, our tomatoes really didn't do very well. Uh, let's don't go there. <laughs> yeah, he's the gardener. Yeah. Um, but we try to do, eat as much organic as possible. And we are in right. South Mississippi, which means that you don't have... We don't have the big grocery stores that are organic. No, we, so we, we do live have in a to, food desert. We do, and but we still do okay. Yeah. And so we buy what we can organic. We very rarely eat stuff that's not organic. Right. But when you look at it, when people say, oh, well, it costs too much to eat, I said, no, it doesn't. Think about it. For one, people eat too much food. Uh, oh, yeah. In general, in eat general. too much food. Mm-hmm. I buy an organic pack of chicken breast. Mm-hmm. It might be $9 mm-hmm. for Eight or nine. I buy it in bulk, so I get it a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. But $8 for, and they're big breast. That feeds us two people for two meals. So that's $2 mm-hmm. for the meat. Mm-hmm. You can get some vegetables. We can buy some asparagus right. for 3 or $4, and that would feed us twice. So you're talking about two meals for two people. That's actually ends up being thirteen dollars, maybe. Yeah, and, and, and even, so that even, is is just as cheap as going to McDonald's. Yeah, and even if you throw in some things like, okay, let's go, go get the uh, organic uh, broccoli. Usually, you can find something like yeah, that, you can or, get that, or cauliflower or something. You can find these things uh, fairly reasonably priced. You don't have to eat tons of it, and if you do get it and eat that, you're staying away from the packaged processed foods. And, and there was just a research article recently, like in the past week or so, that talked about the exposure to pesticides right. actually increases our risk for diabetes. Right. And these kids are getting these pesticides because all these foods that are genetically modified, right. packaged, processed, mm-hmm. they're loaded with pesticides because a lot of what they're genetically modified to do is withstand huge amounts of roundup which is chemicals yes and they're fine and that increases the risk of diabetes for one in this research that we just looked at it was by changing the melatonin pathways receptors receptors, Mm -hmm. yeah it was showing that the melatonin receptors don't work properly with all these chemicals and therefore it messes up the circadian rhythm and therefore increases risk of diabetes yeah and and i mean how many of you out there that have a teen or young adult or some how many of them actually sleep well right and that's not many right yeah so let's get into some of the other problems i mean we know the pre-diabetes the diet horrible Mm -hmm. in a lot of the kids and teenagers no doubt a lot of other problems we're seeing one is sleep problems no doubt and one of the reasons we're seeing sleep problems is one of the things that we now this is mostly in teenagers not as much the younger kids when we do their lab work the high cortisol, which is mm-hmm. your stress hormone. Mm-hmm. Kids are stressed out nowadays. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, I guess the the school systems and so on. The social media. The social media. And the so, instant information. Yes. All that, I think, is really stressing the kids out. And when you start looking at high cortisol, cortisol disrupts sleep. Right. Cortisol increases sugar. Mm-hmm. So cortisol causes a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. 
It does. Now, another thing that we're seeing that is increasing cortisol greatly in the teenage girls is birth control pills. Oh, yeah. It, it, that is, I mean, if you if you start looking at, and, and moms and, and so on that, that actually sit down with us to go over the you know, lab work for these young teen girls, and, you know, you, typically speaking, we can look at it and in two seconds tell you, she's taking birth control. And they're like, and they're, how well, did you know? How did you know that? Right. Well, okay, you're doing some things that's messing up her thyroid, et cetera, et right. cetera. It actually inhibits the utilization of thyroid, and mm-hmm. it also greatly elevates cortisol. Now, we're exactly. seeing high cortisol in kids that aren't taking birth control, but we're True. seeing extreme levels in the kids that are taking birth control. Right. And, of course, we hear everything as, oh, well, I have to do something to straighten out her cycle. Well, you know what? There's natural things to straighten out your cycle. There are. We have something called diandolomethane. If you have a teenage girl having heavy cramp, you know, lots of cramping and lots of problems with the cycle, DIM helps. And also changing that diet helps because one of the problems causing all of those problems is a sugar handling problem. Exactly. And I think, you know, one of the first things that, you know, of course, you and I both uh, you know, suggest to the people is one, okay, let's change the diet. We'll go through that. And then the second thing, especially in these, you know, younger girls that are having issues like, you know, the menstrual irregularity and so on. The methane or D-I-M, uh, we call it DIM, uh, DIM actually helps tremendously in controlling some of these hormonal metabolism issues that are so interrupted by some of the stuff that's in the food. Right. I mean, and that's one of the big things right there. You know, the, the food supply is, is crucial. And if you think about it, one of the most important things in our life is what we eat. And yet, you know, people take a whole lot better care of their car than they do their body. Right. They're not going to put the worst junk sold on the market and put it in their car. No. But they will eat it. <laughs> they do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that cortisol thing we're seeing, and like yeah. I said, the girls on birth control pills, I'm yeah. definitely, that's one thing that yeah. is one of my things is you got to look at what birth control pills do to your teenager. Don't just think, oh, well, I'm just going to throw on the birth control pill that fixes everything. No. Because when you look at birth control... There's no doubt. We've had 20-year-olds with blood clots. We've had 20-year-olds with strokes. There was locally a young girl, 27, locally that died within the last week or two in our area Mm -hmm. from a pulmonary embolism due to birth control pills. That was her only risk factor. Right. So you start looking. These things are not just a risk factor in cortisol and messing up the thyroid and making them fatigued and tired and depressed mm-hmm. and nutrient depleted on, on top of that, mm-hmm. it's causing some pretty severe problems. And it all comes in the pack. When you read the risk risks, they're real. They are. It's not just one in a million because we do see them. Right. And so one of the things you want to look at is on teenage girls, don't just throw them on birth control pills. It's not no. the answer. There's other ways of birth control. There are. And if you think about it, Condoms, which are much safer for the person health-wise, also protect you from sexually transmitted diseases. Which are on the increase. Yes, which birth control pills do not. And I think putting the young girls on birth control pills tells them that you don't have to use protection. Exactly. And that's not a good thing for young girls. That's kind of giving the wrong message right Exactly. So, okay, enough on birth control because I can talk about that for a long time. We could spend a whole (laughs) hour on that one, right, yeah. Okay, so that's one thing we're seeing, high cortisol. Mm -hmm. Another thing we're seeing in a lot of the teenagers and the kids is nutrient deficiencies. Right, vitamin D, for instance. Vitamin Vitamin D, B12, B12, we're seeing a huge deficiency. Yeah, we really are. When we see, and B12 affects the neurological system. Yeah, the brain. The brain. So Mm -hmm. when you start looking at all these problems these kids are having and the fatigue and Mm -hmm. all these other symptoms, 
I mean, B12 can be part of it. So one thing we want yep. to get across today is your kids are not too young to have lab work. No, it's, you know, I think that's one of the biggies. You know, we've, we've recently had some, you know, we've, we have them as young as five and six-year-olds. Uh, we had recently had a seven-year-old little boy. Uh, parents were, were fine. They did not have the metabolic syndromes and so on. But the little boy comes in. Mom does wants the lab work on him because he's a little chubby around the middle, you know, kind of got some of the starting signs of that metabolic syndrome uh, or prediabetes. And sure enough, at seven years old, he was pre-diabetic. Right. We're seeing the A1C in the pre-diabetic range. We're also seeing high triglycerides, which is also a sign of pre-diabetes as well. And then, of course, so we always do the insulin, And too. the insulin. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one factor looking at it. No, We're it's showing multiple. multiple factors are pointing to insulin resistance and pre-diabetes That's worse right. than their parents. Exactly. Much so worse. What I keep saying is, what are these kids going to have at 30 years old? They're going to be having heart attacks. They're going to be having severe health issues, not just you know, mild health issues. So it's not just about, it's not going to probably kill them at that point, but it's going to shorten their lives down the road. Well, not only that, you know, and we're seeing this, you know, we're seeing 30, it's 30 somethings having heart attacks. Well, we are seeing a lot of the nurses that come yeah. in. We have lots of nurses that come mm-hmm. in and at the hospitals, that's one of the things they're seeing younger and younger heart attacks heart and attacks. strokes. Right. And if, seeing you, both. if you think about it, and I don't know whether you've ever been around somebody that's had a stroke. Um, especially one that's, that leaves a lot of side effects and a lot of debilitation. But, you know, think about somebody that's 30-something years old. They have a severe stroke that leaves them incapacitated for the rest of their life. Now, perhaps once we get involved in it at that point in time, maybe they can live a nice long life, but it's not going to be 100%. Right. And so think about that, you know. And, you know, we, you know I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about your grandparents, too. We get an awful lot of grandparents that are always buying goodies and giving goodies right. to, to, to kids. I had somebody just the other day, and they yeah. said something about, of course, the grandpa says to the grandma, well, if you wouldn't have it in the house, I wouldn't need it. And mm-hmm. she said, well, I have to keep it for the grandkids. And I said, well, wait a minute. Do you think you're doing them a favor? And she looked at me funny, and it was like, what? I said, you're starting them with a problem at a very young age. And I told her what we're seeing on lab work, and yes. she couldn't believe it. She yeah. said, people don't think about that, and that's one reason we decided to do this show, is people don't think that they can have that problem at that age, so give them what they want. You don't want to. That's what, You're setting up the problem at a very young age. Yeah, And, and they are going to have severe problems younger. And again, back to the packaged processed foods. And there was just another research, and, you know, we, we always... There's constant t- stuff coming out on packaged processed oh, food. Oh, my God. They, they talked about the difference in sugars. And, and what they showed was, uh, the, and, of course, they did this thing in rat models and looked at it, and they said that, you know, rats that were fed things like glucose, which, all right, think about a potato. Not sweet at all, but it's loaded with glucose, all right? But that's the sugar that our body can readily use. Foods that have high glucose, yes, they did over time increase things, uh, you know, put on a little weight and it kind of you know, made it a little harder for them to, to handle sugar, made a little bit increase in things like insulin and so on. However, the things that had the high fructose caused the increases in the insulin, increases in the, or not, in, not necessarily the insulin directly, but, you know, once it becomes a triglyceride, now these triglycerides are starting to go up. That's one of your early markers for, for uh, you know, your pre diabetic syndromes and metabolic syndromes and all of this was about the the types of sugar and all of your prepackaged uh sugars and prepackaged foods are loaded they're they're added i think i think one of the research that came out they they studied like 
forty something thousand processed food, no, that, that packaged was in, foods. That was in Canada, and okay. they, only, they only. I thought this was kind of interesting. They took thirty of the names for sugar. And there's I mean, a lot more than that. There's actually about sixty, but they took thirty and they looked at forty, a little over forty thousand foods. Now think about that. A little over forty thousand. Now I want That's you a lot. to stop for just a moment and try to name a thousand foods. Okay, right. this is forty thousand different packaged things, foods, packaged processed foods. And they t- out of that forty something thousand packaged processed foods that they looked at, something like sixty six two thirds, you know, two thirds had added added sugars, sugars, not what was naturally occurring. No, but added was added. To it, right, and that's pretty scary, folks. So yeah. the, you know, people sometimes look at us and they say, "Well, packaged processed food, there ain't nothing wrong with that." I mean, hotel, you know, everybody been eating that for years and years and years, right? And people are dying like flies, right? And when you look back in the fifties, the average American ate about five pounds of sugar a year. Yeah, and now the average American eats one hundred and fifty-six pounds of sugar a year. That's about right. And our bodies can't handle it, nope. and our teenagers can't handle it, and no. they might seem okay. But they're not. And, you know, we're, we are seeing a lot of teenagers that are having symptoms. And when we check, there's a lot of them having problems. You know, we don't, you know, as, as a whole, we do see more adults than we see kids. Right. But we're seeing a pattern in the kids that is scary. We really are. And, and so I guess, you know, to kind of wrap this up for you, um, when you look at this, look at your kids, you know, take around, look at little Johnny and Sally and think, well, you know, they may be 12, 13 years old or even 10. Uh, but we really need to find out what path right. they're on. Let's look and see. I mean, you know, you know, the lab work is simple to do. You start with the lab work. That will tell you how things are going on metabolically. Right. And, and if you, you see that. a problem, it needs to be changed. Because the longer a pattern exists, the long a per- longer a person does a pattern, the harder it is to change. Exactly. So, And you're starting them off really young doing right. really bad patterns right now. And so they're setting them up for life to have bad patterns. And we're seeing the problems much younger. Yeah. And the the bad thing is, is these patterns may not show any particular outward symptoms until they have something. Although we do see a lot of the fatigue in the kids. But, you know, they they don't consider that a big big thing. I mean, they're like, oh, okay, they're a little tired. No big deal. Well, but think about it. When I know when I was, you know, they always just say, "Oh, they're depressed. Let's put them on an antidepressant." Well, yeah, and right. you don't want to just start that at a young age either. And no. depression is one of the symptoms that we're seeing in kids, it and is. one of the reasons is because of the way they're eating. That's true. Yeah, and they're Very not true. getting the nutrients they need because when we do check their nutrients, you know, magnesium can be low, vitamin D can be low, B twelve mm-hmm. can be low, iron can be low, yeah. and a lot of that can actually increase risk of depression as well. It sure and can. And so you're seeing depressed kids with abnormal or defiant behavior and it could be because of what they're eating it very well could be so to start off with it's very simple just do some lab work and let us get involved and help you out assess what they're eating and maybe you know come up with some changes that they could do that might last them a lifetime right okay so hopefully we've given you some food for thought so to speak and we'll be uh, back next time with some more entertaining information Thank you, and thanks for listening to Live Healthy, Be Healthy. You bet. So long, and thanks for listening to Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Drs. Jim and Janine Fox, a presentation of Doctors Nutrition. Please call our toll-free customer service number, 1-800-824-0194, for more information or with any questions you may have. Find out more online. Log on to DoctorsNutrition.com. Find the archive of shows and articles at DoctorsNutritionMedia.com.